Oh, it's a tragic story. Her mother was one of my dancers. Truth to tell, probably the weak link. But then she died. And I needed some help around the house, so I took her little brat in. I'm really a saint, you know? Welcome to the Graveyard Slot, where we talk about movies past their prime time. Here we revisit old favorites with a fresh perspective to see if they deserve more credit or if they should stay buried. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sohini. And today, we're talking about another Cinderella story. As you might guess by the name, another Cinderella story is a Cinderella adaptation that follows Mary Santiago, an aspiring dancer trapped in the servitude of her evil legal guardian slash boss, Dominique. When celebrity Joey Parker joins her school, Mary finds her world slowly turning upside down as she dances her way into Joey's heart. <laughs> the movie was released in 2008, and it was directed by Damon Santostefano, who also directed a Cinderella story, Once Upon a Song, starring Lucy Hale. Wow. Have you seen that one? I wish I had. <laughs> and the writers for this movie are Eric Patterson and Jessica Scott, who were both also involved in a Cinderella story, once Upon a Song, as well as Radio Rebel. <laughs> oh, God. Incredible. Your favorite movie. Yes, my all-time favorite. Love it. <laughs> so this is obviously a continuation of our coverage, I guess, <laughs> of Cinderella adaptations. And we thought it would be fitting for our second episode of the series to be on another Cinderella story, especially because we did a Cinderella story a while back. And of course, we both watched this as kids and really enjoyed it. And so going back to it, not only with fresh eyes as adults, but also with fresh eyes after being traumatized by Cinderella <laughs> 2015 would be a good idea. Yeah, it's a very interesting perspective. Having been subjected to Cinderella 2015 really puts things in perspective. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you didn't know how good you had it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you think. With the little brain cells you have left after Cinderella 2015. Yeah. And we didn't have many to begin with. <laughs> hey, speak yourself. for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, did the critics enjoy this movie as much as we did as kids? It's a bit of a mystery considering they haven't been very vocal <laughs> about this movie, for better or for worse. Yeah, there aren't that many reviews. One I found was from TV Guide, and it says, Created using the Disney Channel's patented cookie cutter formula, the screenplay is so predictable that one can watch the film with the sound off and not really miss anything important plot-wise. You know, that's fair. <laughs> Only because it's Cinderella, obviously. <laughs> That's the thing. I guess on one hand, you can't really fault it because it is based on a very popular and well-known story. But on the other hand, it is an adaptation. So one might expect them to do something creative, build on the original a little bit more. You would think. And to some extent, especially in the context of, as we said, having just watched Cinderella 2015, <laughs> it does do that to some extent. Yes, I agree. But I do think it could have been better. Like, it could be worse, but it could be better. I think because of the nature of the movie that it is an adaptation. So, to me at least, what's quote-unquote to miss would be those flourishes that they give the story. And I think you can easily miss those really fun flourishes. But I do agree that, you know, details aren't the only things that you're supposed to play with and enhance. So I think they could have either added on to the message or just like put a twist to it or something. But message-wise, I don't think they did anything. So yeah. Hey, at least Cinderella 2015 had a message. What was it? <laughs> be courage, be kind. <laughs> so my take on this movie, especially after watching Cinderella 2015, this is a version of Cinderella that's leaning hard into this genre. And that's why it works. It knows what it is and it leans really hard into it. And I think that has to be the case for any successful Cinderella adaptation. Because there have been so many of them, I think we are a bit too desensitized to say its message or just like the plot on its own. Because like, if you think about the 1950 adaptation of Cinderella, the animated movie, because that is an adaptation of the fairy tale, that leans very hard into its genre, which is an animated musical. And so to me, the meat of this movie is when it leans 
as far as you can into a genre, which is this comedic rom. And the problem with Cinderella 2015 is that it refuses to commit to anything and it doesn't have its own character. It's not a hard lean into the setting that it chose or the time period or anything. So that's why in my eyes, regardless of the fact that it's not the Citizen Kane of (laughs) (laughs) our generation or whatever, it soars above Cinderella 2015. Yeah, I can see that. I agree with that. I do think that in playing into the genre that it does, another Cinderella story kind of does fall into a little bit of a trap. And I'm going to bring in another review from the film magazine that said, Mary is about as bland as Bella Swan, more a surrogate husk the teen viewers can project onto rather than an actual character with agency, desire, and or emotion. And I feel like that's a valid point. I think you're right that one of the cons of it leaning so hard into its genre is that it also has that downside that is often present in its genre, which is choosing to make their main character solely a conduit for their audience and so strips them of their character. When the review said that she doesn't have any agency, I think that's true. None of her like own decisions affect the plot that much. It's like stuff is happening around her and she's being pushed around. Yeah, nothing would happen if Tammy wasn't there, I think. Her best friend Tammy. Or even like her stuff sisters it's like their shenanigans lead to her doing something but it's not like her actual own choice she's always backed into a corner before she does anything well if we're talking about it we might as well get into the plot as usual we will be discussing this movie chronologically and we open with a music video (laughs) (laughs) we see selena gomez or no mary santiago sing and dance to tell me something i don't know a selena gomez classic and she's in a music video of some kind until, that is, she's snapped out of her daydreaming by none other than Dominique, her guardian and or boss. I think from the very beginning, the movie does do a good job of setting a distinct tone for the story, which again, I think I was going to compare it to Cinderella 2015, but I feel like Cinderella 2015 has a decent opening like it's very fairy tale-esque or whatever but i think it goes downhill because it becomes very generically beautiful and nothing else after that whereas here they introduce a very specific tone and i think they do a great job of upholding it throughout the movie like not only through the plot or the characters but also the soundtrack and everything comes together really well to create a very distinct tone like you could hear one of the songs from the soundtrack just randomly and you would think of this movie i think it's very recognizable anything else to say about the opening sequence well i really like dominique's introduction maybe this is not the smartest way of doing it i don't know but dominique immediately patters on and on about the setup of the movie basically that she took mary in after her mother died but i like what this says about dominique how she like presents herself. I thought so too. It's just, she paints a very clear picture of a certain character and a certain type of person and also a certain kind of washed up celebrity because the first thing we see her do is do this commercial for Back Me, which is celebrities doing less than respectable commercials is like a very common trope or just a thing you know so that's all very well depicted and i especially love how in the commercials she's supposedly singing her hit single i'm on hold for you and it's clearly either like late 80s or very 90s looking the song and like the fake music video so you know like when her heyday was and suddenly when it cuts back to the reality of the movie and or our current timeline she's put in this modern quote-unquote music video and she's like supposed to be rapping or something and she's very out of place so you immediately know what her character is supposed to be and how she's seen not only by herself and by the audience us but also by the people around her yeah i also thought it was an interesting choice to have dominique not be mary's actual stepmother but a quote 
benevolent figure who took Mary in when her mom died. I feel like it adds a layer of complexity to the characters and their interactions. But yeah, there's also an interesting friction there because like you said, Dominique is obviously trying very hard to stay relevant and ordering everyone around like she's the boss. But because she's doing this kind of random commercial and also because Mary talks back to her, you can kind of see that she's not holding on to that position of power very well and it is I think a fun choice to have Mary be so sassy compared to say Sam in a Cinderella story. <laughs> How can you forget I'm a very appealing person? person. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah I got what you mean. <laughs> yeah I feel like Sam was more sassy behind Fiona's back but Mary insults Dominique to her face. <laughs> I think also having her be Mary's guardian is a better understanding of Cinderella's position within the household and under Lady Tremaine's thumb that she is in that position because she doesn't have any power in the circumstances that she's in. Yeah, she's not staying out of the goodness of her heart the yeah. way they seem to imply <laughs> in Cinderella 2015. Not because they're family, but because she doesn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, and especially framing it as her guardian, it's because she hasn't aged out yet. She literally doesn't have legal power to leave. So she's literally trapped in this. And it's in the same spirit as the original Cinderella, where in that society and in those circumstances, she's unable to leave that household. Unlike Cinderella 2015, this movie allows Mary to be not nice. She doesn't just accept her circumstances as this is how it is. We can see her unhappy and grumbling and, you know, trying to find a way out. And the movie allows her that space at least. But Moving on, so in the next scene, they go home and hear on TV that superstar Joey Parker has decided to join their school and he's holding a dance contest and the winner will get to dance with him in his new music video. <laughs> An amazing prize. I think having the prince as a teen heartthrob is a great translation for this movie. It's like the closest you can get to a prince in modern society. Apart from actual princes, I guess. Yeah, but even then, I don't know. I'm thinking like, did the maidens <laughs> or whatever, did the maidens access an actual possibility of being with the prince? Does that actually parallel this better than it does like a commoner with a prince in modern society? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Like a teen heartthrob is as common as a prince would be. Yeah. And also it feels like a lot of the hubbub around the prince in the original is like all of the girls want to be with him and like actually talk about him as if he's like attainable or whatever, but like in a very like celebrity kind of way. Yeah, true. I think in the royal families, they marry among the high society. So it's not like a commoner could dream of marrying an actual prince. So I think you're, so yeah, I think you're right. Right, yeah. I want to say, here we find out that Mary lives in like the guest house or just like the back or something. And even here, her room and the house has more of a contrast than in 2015 Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to talk about the settings. I really like the way they look. You're right, they're both very distinct, but they both look very lived in and realistic. And it's just very nice. <laughs> it's very fitting to their characters as well. The house is very modern and fitting for someone like Dominique who has money, who's a quote-unquote celebrity. The decor feels very eclectic as well, which maybe indicates her throwing money at whatever she thinks is trendy or expensive enough that it's worth spending money on. She has like a chair shaped like a hand and then it's a lot of like whites and then these bright pieces. Pops of color. And it's, some of it isn't even usable. Like there's this part where one of the stepsisters sits on a chair and falls right off. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I really like is the intercom, which is also present in a Cinderella story. But having recently watched Cinderella 1950 for our last episode, it struck me how much the intercom is so much like the bell from the animated movie. Like that is such a great translation. You're right. It's like 24-7 access to Cinderella slash Mary. So she is in school. She's a senior and she gets picked up by her best friend Tammy in the pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> aka this orange van that Tammy drives that 
isn't doing so well. I feel like this is yet another example of why not sticking too much to the original material. But I just really like this, that they're not afraid to like play with things and this goes for a lot of the elements of the movie and it makes it such a very fun engaging watch yeah for sure i think it was a wise move to take the familiar story beats but then use them in their own way in the plot one big difference between the original material and this movie is that the climax moment or like the height of the tension is when the prince is searching for cinderella and the story culminates in him finding out who Cinderella is but in this movie he already finds out very early and the final conflict and the climax is something else entirely so they're not afraid to make these changes which I think ends up making it more interesting like even though it is an adaptation there are some different story beats they mix it up a little bit which is fun yeah so when they're at school the next day Joey Parker arrives and there's a stampede (laughs) and before long he bumps into Mary before being pulled away by his ex-girlfriend Natalia. I have many thoughts slash questions. Okay. I don't understand how old Joey is. I guess he must be high school aged, but there are moments that really break the illusion for me, I think. Not only that he looks older, but also there are parts where they allude to his history. Like there's one point where the Funk and or Dustin, who is Joey Parker's best friend slash manager talks about how he hasn't danced like that since the 2008 VMAs or something as if he's like this big deal who's made an impact on music history and all of these things you know it's just it sounds like he has a lot more history than someone his age would or at least it's played like he's older or something I don't know that's like a consistent thing that I keep bumping into like basically like everything building his character kind of to me contradicts like his age like the age he's supposed to be and then there's also the part where Mary's like 11 or something and then she's holding a magazine with Joey Parker's face on it and he looks like an adult already so I don't understand how old he is yeah even though they don't explicitly mention it I suppose an option could be that he was a child star and I wouldn't be surprised because We get the scene later on between him and his parents where it's very clear that his parents are trying to take advantage of him for their own purposes. So it wouldn't surprise me if they had put him into the public eye when he was really young. And so when most people are just getting started, he's already lost his passion for what he wanted to do. But yeah, that doesn't explain the magazine. (laughs) I think they should have used like a picture of the actor when he was younger or something. Yeah, I thought of the same thing too, that he must be a child actor. I think my problem isn't necessarily like in the script, but in the execution. Every time they depict this history, they make it sound like he's older than he is. Because like, obviously I know about the fact that a lot of teen heartthrobs are like also very young and that they did make impact on music history, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know, my, my problem is just like in the depiction, I think, like wires got crossed or something. Yeah, fair. When they talk about his past in the industry, there's no indication of him being super young or anything. You know what? I think they should have actually made an effort of depicting him as a grown-up child star. I think that would have also been interesting. Not only would it be like better and clearer and make more sense, but it would also be an interesting element. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, you had thoughts on Natalia as well, right? Natalia is... I'm realizing now maybe like a frustrating character because from our discussion, I really like what you said about how often Lady Tremaine uses her kids shortcomings or like jealousy or cruelty to her advantage so she's pulling the strings and letting the kids do her dirty work for her and sometimes that happens in this movie but I don't like that Natalia is thrown in there and doesn't have the same function like she's just doing a lot of things that I feel are like overly villainous or something I don't know I think it would be more interesting if they just stuck to the stepsisters and them unknowingly being you know, manipulated into these really cruel things by their mother. And Natalia just makes for a less interesting villain, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. Compared to a character like Dominique, Natalia is certainly very flat and very one note and doesn't serve that much of a purpose in the story. If I give it a little bit of thought, I think the movie would have been able to get around not having her as a separate character. Like other characters could have served the purpose that she did she's not really that interesting at all (laughs) i find her a little creepy i feel like she's not been borderline stalking joey i think she is like he should have a restraining order against her or something yeah i'm thinking of a character like 
Shelby Cummings in a Cinderella story. She served kind of a similar purpose in that she was the popular girl who had the stepsisters as her cronies or whatever, but she was so much more interesting in the way that she interacted with the different characters compared to Natalia. I feel like maybe they missed the point of Shelby Cummings. Because Shelby Cummings was cruel, but I feel like I understand her motivations better than Natalia's motivations. We also saw other facets to Shelby's character, if I remember correctly. There was a part where she lets Carter down really gently, even though she didn't have to. And so you can see that it's not just her one personality trait to be mean to people. <laughs> also, she has a much better costume for the dance. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that's the final straw. <laughs> But after school lets out, Mary goes to a dance class, except she doesn't really. <laughs> she finds this back room that looks into the dance class because the dance class for some reason has a one-way mirror. Yeah, <laughs> very creepy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how did she find this place? When did she find it? <laughs> Why is it there? <laughs> I feel like what could have been interesting is, so she's like in a back room and there's, I think, like mops and chairs or something. Yeah, it's like a storage room. Yeah, because part of her like struggle or whatever is that she doesn't have funds for college and stuff and she needs, you know, scholarship and yada, yada, yada. And that's also why she's so much under Dominique's thumb. If she has extra jobs, like part-time jobs, and one of them is like cleaning for this dance studio and that's why she has access to this back room and it would speak a lot to like the themes of how people in different walks of life have different like you know perspectives and access to things and stuff yeah that would have been so much better actually because you're right we have no idea how mary even knows about this place and how she gains access while I did like the contrast of everyone arriving for dance class while she has to jump over a fence and climb through a window right. <laughs> to get to that same class. But on the other side, I think it would have added to the themes of the movie if Mary had been an employee there and said something along the lines of, you know, how people who are, say, working jobs that are considered lesser in society, how they're often seen as invisible and how they have access to certain spaces but can't use them in the same way. So it would have been an interesting layer to her character because we already get the invisible, unpopular girl in school, but it would have added on to that and actually said something more. There is a hint of that in one scene but it's just like a temporary one-time thing and it would have been like an actualized theme if it had been here as well i will say this dance class looks okay like at least it's better than that dance class in camp rock <laughs> <laughs> i think this is maybe a good time to point out that joy parker is clearly supposed to be the teen hazard of it's time and i just think it's so funny how transparent this is like the way they style this character the things that they make him do like the dance moves even like the little comments about his past musical history it's like very clear who he's supposed to be in real life and i just think it's really funny <laughs> so they're all warming up and joey shows up to lead a dance class in preparation for his dance competition and this is where we get the iconic scene where they're all dancing and mary is following along on the other side of the mirror and then we have the two of them <laughs> kind of mirroring each other on opposite sides of the mirror and i think it's great i love this part <laughs> i think so too i think it says a lot with very little the way mary can see joey but he can't see her kind of indicates her being privy to more information than he is and also highlighting the similarities and differences between them because they are taking up the same space but in very different ways and his presence is celebrated while hers is hidden away and I mean there's also the very obvious parallel between them like they're both dancing for kind of different reasons she has the passion for it while he's lost it and I think it's a great parallel and it's a great visual yeah we were also talking last episode about how the prince's relationship with the king parallels Cinderella's with Lady Tremaine in the 1950 version and the scene also kind of shows how they're both trapped in their own circumstances and you know Joey's parents are using his labor 
to their own gains as well. And obviously Dominique is also using Mary's labor. And I also really like how Mary has like this celebrity crush on him, right? So Mary, while she's dancing with him, sees something she wants, something she desires, which I think is a great translation of what Cinderella sees and the prince as in, you know, a way out. But also as funny as it is that Joey's just staring at a reflection of himself, he is in that moment thinking of the identity of Joey Parker, who he's become. Yeah, especially with the song in the background reinforcing that message. Because I think the lyrics say something like, everyone wants something from me. I can be only one person. That's it's Joey. Joey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much to read into in one simple shot. And that's more than we can say for <laughs> Cinderella 2015. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But Mary gets called home because there's an important dinner that Dominique is throwing for none other than Joey. <laughs> this is also when Mary's confronted by the sisters with the tape of her 11-year-old self kind of dancing, looking dorky in her room to Joey and, you know, saying all of these embarrassing stuff to her celebrity crush. What did they make her promise? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> Here, they just threatened to use it for blackmail, but there's no reason, which is why I think this is a little bit misplaced. I feel like if this scene had come later on, when they see her interacting with Joey and feel threatened, and that's when they go into her room, look through her stuff, and unearth this, and are like, aha, this is blackmail material we can use against her. It would have made more sense there, but here it's a little bit random. <laughs> You're right. But at this dinner, apparently there's this like kind of publicized rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. like beef, at least, between <laughs> Dominique and Joey, which I thought was so funny. Yeah. Imagine having beef against a teenager. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, it goes to show clearly her desperation for relevance stoops this low where she would talk shit about a kid. And again, her downward trajectory in her career is also depicted in Joey's parents' admiration of her. I mean, they're obviously greedy and just want the money, but making this connection of how her music is more of a thing that parents listen to is supposed to illustrate, you know, how she's not cool anymore and stuff, especially for this movie and its genre where everything is very teen-oriented. Yeah, teen-oriented. And I mean, even like down to, I mean, obviously the set design, but like all of the colors, like the way things look is very like late 2000s. And I do really like how whenever we see Dominique and even like Joey's parents, they kind of look different. They look like a different style-wise time style yeah and Dominique shows up in this garish shiny neon blue and pink dress that has ruching and has like bits of tulle and it's very 80s and her hair is too but yeah so there's that contrast really well depicted because the rest of the movie has such an identity yeah you're right in this scene I really liked the characterization of Joey's parents first of all the fact that he has parents Great. <laughs> That's, you know, already a one up from Cinderella 2015, which was determined to kill off all the parents. <laughs> But more importantly, you see them and the way they act and everything kind of falls into place. Like why Joey is taking a break from his career, why he's trying to get back to his roots, why he seems to have lost the passion for what he does. It all starts to make sense seeing how greedy they are and how they try to manipulate him and try to force their own opinions on him. And I think it's kind of common in these kinds of movies right to have the parents be very absent in the narrative like you conveniently shove them aside when you don't need them but I think they did a good job here of actually making use of these characters and using them to make Joey a stronger character yeah I was gonna say that I only half agree with you because I feel like they don't have enough of a presence but I changed my mind because I think their depiction as the greedy parents of a child star is spot on. And this is when I want to talk about the actual setting of LA and not only LA, but like very specific area that's populated by celebrities and a lot of the like language, language as in like dialogue, but also like the language of the story is very based on that culture. The kids being Dominique's kids and they would scream stuff like, if this shows up on TMZ, I'm suing all of you or whatever. And the fact that Joey is even 
given there. There are a lot of little subtle details that does a good job of building the setting and the world. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, Dominique wants to convince Joey to sing a duet, but ultimately he refuses. And when he tries to leave, he bumps into Mary, who's been serving food and drinks this whole time. And there's a shrimp-related accident. <laughs> and that the shrimp she's carrying falls over and they both fall over and it's a mess <laughs> so this is the scene i'm talking about where like this paired with them establishing mary as an employee of the dance studio would have actualized a theme for the movie but in this scene first of all yes mary is kind of trying to hide from joey which i don't understand but they are ignoring her and not just like the quote-unquote bad guys like it's not just dominique and everybody being like dismissive of her but joey and dustin are also not acknowledging her at all they're treating her like she's invisible Mary throughout the movie also does have this insecurity about her standing and she's worried that Joey's going to see her as a charity case. So if there had been that extra layer about Mary's societal standing, like her job and, you know, everything you were talking about before, I think that could have been even more interesting because the way it comes off ultimately in the movie, it's that you could never like a girl like me because she's unpopular in school or something like she's the invisible <laughs> girl in school, but it could have been something more. So the next scene is Tammy and... Mary. They're hanging out in Mary's bedroom and Mary says she doesn't want to go to the school's black and white masquerade ball but Tammy convinces her that she should go and the sisters, the stepsisters over here and tip Dominique off and Dominique decides to task Mary with cleaning her bedroom in order to prevent her from going to the ball. I don't know why Dominique doesn't want her to go to the ball. Same, I had the same thought because in the 1950 version, Lady Tremaine has a very clear motivation for not letting Cinderella go because she doesn't want the prince to see Cinderella because, you know, she wants to give her daughters a better chance at marrying him. But here, it doesn't seem like Dominique has any personal gain from Mary not going to the ball. And she mentions this after party she's throwing, but even then, it's not like she says set up for the after party so that the house looks amazing. She tasks her with cleaning her bedroom, which I don't think anyone would be seeing at the after party anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. It seems like they're going through the motions in this part. I think it's because they're confusing like the ball and the competition. And it would make sense that she doesn't want Mary to go to the competition because she wants to keep Mary at home and ask her employer or whatever. Yeah, you're right. I think the film got a little bit confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Mary sets about cleaning Dominique's room. But luckily, Tammy rescues her by bringing in a whole cleaning crew. Tammy also fucks her over and gives her a red dress to a black and white ball. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I don't think it's explained, is it? Like, Tammy never says, like, oh, shit, I didn't know or anything. Like They literally discuss the black and white ball. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> I would have bought it if it had been Tammy's little scheme to get Mary more in the spotlight or something because she's always pushing Mary to... Go outside her comfort zone, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they don't mention it and when mary makes an entrance at the ball people look at her and she's kind of like people are looking at me it's like yeah mary because you're not dressed according to the theme yeah it's weird that they never acknowledge <laughs> yeah to be fair i can understand the significance of the red dress in the context of the story because it seems like red is kind of a significant color for mary we can see it in kind of key moments like in the very beginning in her daydream she's wearing bright red and then when she's at dance practice as well she's wearing red and of course there's this dress so it's like in moments when she has bursts of confidence even if it's but when she's by herself or in her daydreams we see her in red they don't carry on with it though that's it those are the only examples i have <laughs> <laughs> i think my biggest gripe is this whole mask thing like you can totally tell who these people are i feel like they should have gone with like more elaborate masks or something like like phantom of the opera <laughs> <laughs> surgical masks i guess that's not very nice but it's clear who this is it's so obvious i know it's you drew seely you didn't fool me in high school musical <laughs> one and you're not fooling me now 
If you look really closely, you can see Drew Seeley standing in the background of High School Musical with a mask on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with his fedora. Very ominous. Very Phantom of the Opera of him, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's a Cinderella story all over again with the barely concealing masks. And aside from the masks, their physical characteristics are also never brought into play when they're looking for the mystery girl. Joey is talking to a variety of people who are claiming to be the mystery girl but you know what her hair looked like you know what her (laughs) voice sounded like you know what her height was like you know that she was a certain ethnicity you know what she looked like apart from you know the top half of her face (laughs) so why is it so difficult why do they never use these physical characteristics It's beyond me. But anyway, let's go back to the dance. Well, it is a dance, so they end up dancing. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Mary um, hands over her Zoom (laughs) to the DJ and tells him to play track four. But yeah, they dance. It goes well. Until her stepsisters spill what looks like a bunch of marbles onto the floor. It was like decor at the dance. And they spill them on the floor and she very obviously slips over them and falls but then she's embarrassed because you know oh i didn't dance well i fell and it's like no mary it's so obvious why you fell like it's not your fault i feel like what the stepsisters did is more embarrassing than mary's actual fall so i don't understand why she's so embarrassed but in any case the clock starts chiming at quarter to 12 for some reason and mary realizes that she has to rush home and in her hurry she drops her music player thingy okay i i have to go back to the balls i don't understand what they are because if they were those decorative things that holds up plants and vases they would be in vases and holding something up but they're just in bowls like wide brimmed bowls so i'm like okay is it food because this is a party what is it balls of candy do they have gumballs as snacks <laughs> Are they chocolate-covered raisins? Because if they are, I want to go to this party because I love chocolate-covered raisins. I can't get over the ball. You were much more invested in finding out the identity of the balls than Joey was invested in finding Mary's identity. Listen, balls are a core element to Cinderella. I'm just a purist, okay? Yeah, wordplay, good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I forgot to mention, before Mary leaves, Joey takes off his mask and she realizes she's been dancing with her celebrity crush. Horrifying, apparently, (laughs) and she rushes off and Tammy brings her home almost, (laughs) but not quite. Yeah, the pumpkin breaks down on the way home, so she has to rush on foot. I like that play on the carriage turning back into a pumpkin where here the car breaks down. I think it's a great translation into a modern scenario. I also really like that the van is supposedly like not in good shape so it's kind of like cobbled together and everything so it's kind of like how the carriage is not like you know actually a carriage it's just like a pumpkin dressed up basically so it's kind of like that. That's a great observation but Miri makes it back home just in time before Dominique arrives. And Dominique comes into her bedroom to see Mary lounging on the bed in her robe. (laughs) I do like the line where Dominique asks why and she's just like, I'm admiring its silky silky quality. quality. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we haven't actually talked about a lot of the fun one-liners, but there Mm. are a lot of them. And it was hard for me to like note them down because there was a lot. So that's like one of my favorite things about the movie. And this is kind of in line with the fact that they're not scared to change things up, like the thing with a pumpkin and how they moved the prince finding out who she is and everything earlier into the movie. But it's clear like they're having so much fun with this and they're not afraid to like have character. They're not afraid to give their characters personality, which is, I think it was sorely missing in Cinderella 2015. I think we talked about how the main character's only personality trait in Cinderella 2015 is just that she's nice and you can't say anything more about her. And I know I had a whole review about how bland Mary is at the beginning, but even so, at least she has some fun lines. At least she has a little bit of sass in her, which is way more than you can say for Cinderella 2015. Yeah, there's like this fun line where they're talking about the beef between Dominique and Joey. And they're talking about how Dominique shit-talked him on TRL back in the day or something. (laughs) Which is already so full of character. And again, yet another thing that really solidifies the setting. Anyway, there are a lot of really fun one-liners. Yeah. 
I like some of the recurring jokes too, like how Dominique keeps making Mary cook crab puffs or crab cakes and how she's always talking on the phone and refusing these appearances because various people have a serious case of the grab hands. <laughs> and I mean, oh no, that's kind of dark. On one hand, if it's true, that's horrifying. But on the other hand, it could be that it's another sign of her declining status because her agent keeps offering her these things that she doesn't want to do. And so she uses the same excuse every time to get out of it because she shouldn't have to deign to these roles. Yeah, definitely. The text is that she thinks of herself as too good for these things. That is now the only thing is that are being offered to her. Yeah, but I also really like how in this scene, Dominique confesses to Mary how no one is attending her after party. And she draws this parallel between herself and Mary where she says, I'm also little miss not so popular. And I quite like that because I guess this is kind of a similarity with the 2015 version because they kind of serve as foils of each other and react very differently to similar circumstances. And again, I think it adds an interesting layer of complexity to both Dominique and Mary's characters. Although that you've talked about how Mary's popularity or lack thereof isn't really that apparent in school. I guess one option would have been to emphasize it, emphasize her loneliness because Tammy is basically her only friend or to kind of emphasize that Dominique is kind of off the mark. She's trying to insist that she and Mary are on the same level, like deluding herself into thinking both of them are dependent on each other and ignoring the reality that one day Mary is going to gain her independence and is going to leave her as well. So that could be an option, but I don't feel like the movie went in either direction. Yeah, you're right. One thing that I do like about this element is the fact that even this is a better depiction of how the stepmother role is in a circumstance at this point that is undesirable like there's that whole thing in 2015 Cinderella where they kind of allude to the fact that they are unhappy with their social status now like marrying Cinderella's father was a step down you know now they're like of a lower class or something but like they don't do a good job of really explaining that or like depicting that and when Lady Tremaine has that speech at the end she talks about how she wanted this opportunity to be like a way to climb back up or something so I think they do a really poor job of that in 2015 Cinderella but here as we've talked about <laughs> endlessly they do such a good job of depicting this where Dominique has found herself in an undesirable position and her social standing is no longer what it used to be and I think this actually maybe translates well to the original how maybe her exercising her power over Cinderella is tangled up with that sense of self-worth as well well yeah you're right they just did such a good job with dominique as a character her dynamic with mary is so interesting because while she bosses her around she also needs her and you can tell that by the end of the movie in the final scene yeah oh my god yes i wanted to talk about this too there's this thing where she kind of likes mary and she likes mary better than her own kids i think it is that delusion that's like well mary's always there for me but she's always there for you because she's trapped in this circumstance in this guardianship so like it's very much a twisted delusion on her part and like she likes mary because mary always has to do what she says mary's always there for her yada 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 but this is a situation of her own making and it just also fits so well with her character as a kind of shunned discarded washed up artist where like nobody really wants to be her friend anymore because she's like mean and whatever and so this is like the only person that she has the person she's employing and she is conflating someone in her employ with a friend and that is apparent in both the scene at the end where she's begging Mary not to leave and also in this scene where she tries to relate to Mary and talks as if they're like friends who like just sometimes bicker or whatever like it's really interesting it really is really good complex character work yeah the whole thing just fits so well with her character too that she's so heavily reliant on basically the only person she can control because even her daughters don't pay her that much mind very early on there's this very fleeting moment where when they get back home she's like don't you dare turn on that tv but they do it anyway so mary is like the only one that she's got in the 
palm of her hand. And very literally in that one scene where she lies to Mary about her audition, Mary is sitting in this chair that's shaped like a hand. I love that visual because it's very fun, but also because of what it represents. Like Mary is still very much in the palm of her hand and she's worried about Mary escaping because it's like, it's the last semblance of control she has over the authority and the influence that she used to have. So the next day at school, Joey is now hell-bent on finding the mystery girl. And he convinces this teacher to allow him to make an announcement. Hey, this is another clear adaptation or copy or whatever from a Cinderella story. Yeah, I was gonna say the vibes are very similar with that movie's announcements. <laughs> yeah, although the announcements in that movie is funner. True. But yeah, Joey makes the speech about how he found this music player and he'd like to return it to the girl that he danced with. And this part always makes me laugh because he's got every classroom paused for his announcement and the teacher in Mary's class mocks him. <laughs> I'm with him. Like, Joey is so, like, accustomed to being the most important person in the room or, like, at least getting away with, like, whatever the fuck he wants that he thinks he can just do this. Yeah. I'm also with the teacher. If I were in his position, I know I would react the same way. Like, <laughs> save it for lunchtime. I'm trying to teach a class. Yeah. <laughs> but because of Joey's announcement, people start lining up in the cafeteria to meet him at lunchtime. And you want to talk about your favorite character? Yes, this is when my favorite character arrives. She's this goth girl and she guesses all of these emo songs and she clearly just wants the zoon. She wants a free zoon. <laughs> it is just so funny because we see her again later where she tries again and it's like, can you just give me a hint? Is it techno? <laughs> disco <laughs> which actually brings up what i think is like the most interesting part of this which is that for one people are guessing like it sounds like their top four songs or whatever but like they know it's not them so i feel like they should be trying to figure out what is most likely the four top song on that tune yeah <laughs> i agree the people attempting to get the Zune, even though they know it's not them, is nonsensical because you have to figure out four of the top played songs out of basically literally all the songs in the world. <laughs> How are you going to guess that unless you are the owner of the Zune? But yeah, everyone but Mary is trying their hand at this challenge and Tammy encourages Mary to come clean, but she's unwilling. And in the middle of all this, the stepsisters overhear Mary saying that it was her at the dance. So they confront her and blackmail her with that embarrassing video from earlier on. This is when they should have introduced the embarrassing video. Exactly. <laughs> this would have made so much more sense. Well, they know that it's Mary, so they find her playlist on her laptop and they tell Joey the right songs. But Joey knows it's not them, so he brushes them off. And by the time that Tammy convinces Mary to just tell him, he's already had two people guess the right songs, both connected to Dominique, so he kind of assumes that they were all sent by Dominique and so is Mary to bother him. And so he kind of brushes her off when she actually goes to tell him. I like this part. I think it works better than the misunderstanding we get between Joey and Mary later on. It makes so much sense because we've already gotten this important scene between Joey and Dominique where we understand that she's actively trying to collaborate with him and she's kind of relentless about it. And so it makes sense that Joey would jump to this conclusion and the way it all falls together works it, it doesn't feel contrived or you know there's lack of communication or anything it feels very tightly put together it just has a lot more groundwork going for it the whole thing with dominique and joey was just such fun world building you know and character building and then for it to pay off in this moment is really nice yeah it has some serious consequences for mary and it's kind of also like illustrating how powerless she is in this situation because Joey and Dominique have this long rivalry and it's almost like Mary is victim to something that she doesn't even have a hand in, which kind of sums up her entire situation. Yeah, poor Mary. Poor Mary. <laughs> it's okay, things are about to look up. <laughs> the girls have a 16th birthday party for the 
second time. But Mary is obviously serving at the party and Tammy comes to help, which is so... I'm like, it's one thing to help your friend at like her thing, but help your friend at her job. It was just really funny to me. Well, I guess it's less of a formal job and more like she's making me do this, you know? Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is Tammy is a, is a good friend. <laughs> she is. A part of me wanted to complain about her characterization a little bit because it does seem like she and Dustin exist solely to propel the plot forward and make sure that Joey and Mary get together. But she's such a good friend and they do it so well that I can't really complain like they're both Dustin and Tammy both are very good friends and they do have some personality so I can't complain too much they are kind of just like tools to like prop up the white main characters it seems like their whole life's mission is just to make their white friends feel better which felt a little weird yeah it might have been nice if we had seen more of their aspirations connected to the main plot. Like maybe if Dustin had also participated in the dance competition and he wins in the end. Yeah. Or we hear Tammy mention that she's been working on the dresses for the dance for two weeks. So maybe if Mary going to the ball is important because she's like, this is my life's work. I need people to see it or something like that. Yeah. That gives Tammy a little bit more of a self-serving motivation for Mary to go to the ball because she's like, I've been working my fingers to the bone, please. Makes her a more rounded character. And also like, I think it would have been interesting if Mary really needs to go to the ball because she promised Tammy that she would wear her dress for her and like model it and stuff and that's why she really needs to go and that's why she chooses as well to abandon her duties or whatever yeah so it's not just that tammy's a great friend to mary but mary's also mary's also a good friend yeah it's like carter and sam carter has his whole arc and we don't really get anything like that for tammy and or dustin here yeah that's the key word neither of them has an arc yeah so at the 16th birthday party basically the funk tells jp that <laughs> The girl he's looking for is supposed to be at this party. So Joey shows up and he shows up just in time for the sisters to humiliate Mary by playing that tape of her at 11 years old. And so Mary rushes out. She's kind of like fed up. So she decides to just tackle the issue head on, I guess, and grabs a boombox and plays the song that they dance to and blasts it right outside the party to grab Joey's attention, which it does. And so he kind of, you know, puts two and two together and walks out there to talk to her and return to Zoom, finally. Yeah, Joey returns her Zoom and he asks Mary out and she accepts. And yeah, the next day is actually a big day. Mary receives an invitation to audition for the Manhattan Academy of Performing Arts. And she excitedly runs to tell Joey and he offers to help her out to practice. Meanwhile, though, Dominique gets the call from the Academy when they're trying to schedule the audition. And she tells the Academy person that Mary broke both her legs and can't dance anymore. <laughs> I think in the context of everything we've talked about, about how dependent Dominique is on Mary, it just falls in line with her character and it makes sense why she would lie. But also the way she does it in such a flippant way and she just kind of bullshits on the spot without even trying is so Dominique. Like, I, I love it. <laughs> it also like tells of how often has she done this? You know, how many opportunities mm. has she taken away from Mary? You're right. Didn't even think of that. So, Dominique is going out of town, so she supposedly leaves a bunch of chores for Mary, which we find out is actually the sisters fucking with her. But this is actually supposed to be her time learning to dance with Joey. So they decide to dance and do chores at the same time. So we get this little montage to another Selena Gomez classic. Bang a drum. It's fun to see Joey and Mary connect over a shared 
passion and they also end up working on the song together afterwards and I guess it sets up a realistic foundation for their relationship because they do have a lot in common and a lot of interests that they share. I don't really get the sense that Joey's teaching her anything. Same. <laughs> He's basically like kind of found himself in a rut dancing wise, right? And Mary kind of like shakes it up for him but I don't know that he teaches her anything yeah I don't love this montage to be honest I feel like they lost a bit of an opportunity to actually connect yeah because I don't know all they're doing is kind of dancing around the house and I think this is a very different context to the settings that Joey usually dances in which is like when he's performing or when he's teaching a class this is much more personal and maybe a context that he's not really used to because Mary also has her own style like we could see her doing little flourishes when she was following along in the dance class so there was a bit of a potential for them to challenge each other and for us to see a little bit more of him struggling to get past his performance persona like maybe he slips back into it when he's dancing but Mary's like get real you know this is not actually you and maybe he's challenging her in some way I don't know because the comment about he needs to loosen up felt a little bit random to me because I don't think he was being particularly harsh on her or anything all he said was need to work on your technique and she took it personally <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had had an actual conversation where he's like, yeah, I do win, like I'm having fun with it. But like, if you want to win at something like an audition or at a competition, there are some things that you need to do to show off your range and blah, blah, blah. Like talk about like the business side of things or something. Like I wish there had been an actual conversation. And then maybe because Mary's so driven by her passion, she's maybe too idealistic about it. And he's trying to show her the practical side and the very real scenarios that she needs to confront. Whereas she's trying to remind him about his passion and saying don't be too bogged down and so they compliment each other that way so I think this would have been a great place to do that you are so correct because there's this whole thread or just like basically Joey keeps saying like you reminded me why I wanted to dance <laughs> blah 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 I'm sorry I'm not a big fan of his character but they never really show us that I think that's the one thing that they keep telling us but never showing us yeah. I do like that it's never a thing where the imbalance of their power actually puts Mary on her back foot. There's that moment at the end of the date when they're like singing and like flirting or whatever. And she was like, I'm not the kind of guy, blah, blah, blah. And Mary's like, I don't believe that because like he's been a child star since he was God knows when. And just like little moments like that where she's often painfully aware of who he is and that you know, there are things to consider when it comes to dating him. I don't like when it gets too far, like the whole like, I'm not good enough for him because I'm just a girl and he's a superstar. <laughs> that part is annoying, but the parts where she's like, I gotta be real about some things. For example, in that scene, she's well aware that he most likely has, you know, made the same move to a million other girls. And even like her own, presumably, lack of dating experience isn't necessarily something she's ashamed of, it's just something that she's aware of in this context. I don't know, I just, I do like that Mary's never really ignorant of the realities of the relationship in that sense. That's a very good point. Yeah, I think that saves her from being too naive to kind of not understanding the realities of her situation so yeah that's a really great point but yeah after mary's date she receives flowers with a note seemingly from joey telling her to meet him that night and she goes over to his place and she sees joey in his bedroom talking to Natalia and she assumes that Joey's cheating on her and she runs away upset. I know we disagree on this which is fine but I think it's like a compromising enough situation or whatever. From my perspective Joey and Natalia are sitting face to face. She in my opinion is dressed in outside clothes. She's wearing a belt and shoes and everything and they're just talking so it doesn't seem like they're engaging in anything compromising at least as of yet and I don't think it's necessarily reasonable for Mary to jump straight to that extreme conclusion that Joey is cheating on her but that being said I do understand that she has her own insecurities and she was always worried about Joey seeing her as a charity case and not having genuine feelings for her so I understand that the smallest thing can 
set off that anxiety again and make her react negatively. So I understand why she reacted the way she did. But yeah, Mary has an awful night. She runs back home, but there's worse news awaiting her because Dominique informs her that she in fact does not have an audition at the dance academy and has even gone so far as to fake a rejection letter. I also like how, again, similar to that scene where she was, you know, trying to relate to her about being lonely, here she also tries to relate because she's also been having troubles with Joey. So she's like, I understand how you feel. Has he found someone more talented and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, she's talking about Mary kind of, but really she's talking about herself still. I did not catch that, but you're right. But back at school, Mary is furious at Joey and basically tells him they're done. And Joey doesn't know what the fuck's going on. (laughs) He's so confused. So JP and the funk go to Tammy. (laughs) And Tammy obviously lays it out for them. And so they figure out what happened. They tell Tammy that it's all a misunderstanding and that he was set up. So Tammy and Dustin go to talk to Mary to kind of strain things out but they end up bringing her to the competition that Joey's hosting. Yeah, we see all the dancers. A variety of performances all of which are better than anything Mary does. (laughs) Oh, there's one moment when the woman from the Performing Arts Academy arrives and it looks like Joey recognizes her and like notes that she's arrived so I wonder if it's supposed to be implied that he was the one who invited her. It is implied that he arranges for the audition lady to go to the competition so yeah joey obviously doesn't just notice the academy woman he also notices mary (laughs) (laughs) and then joey goes and does a little boy band dance then he stops the entire performance to call mary out and i don't know that i like hate this for storytelling reasons it just gives me so much anxiety i think yeah i agree with you i also don't really have an opinion on it storytelling wise but the fact that all of this very personal stuff is happening in front of so many people is scary (laughs) it's nerve-wracking yeah i think it might just be a personal thing for us because we also didn't like it in a cinderella story yeah the most scared we've been watching the scream franchise is in that one scene where he's serenading the main character in the cafeteria Anyway. Yeah, they peer pressure Mary into going on stage. (laughs) And she and Joey have this back and forth kind of a dance battle thing where they both do the most basic moves most of the time. (laughs) And that culminates in them performing the song that they'd been working on together. I know they did a little sing-along in her room, but like singing isn't really the thing she's really confident in doing or like we know she's talented in. So like what happens if like she can't sing? Good question. Joey just kind of assumes that she does and wants to. Even when they're just hanging out, he insists that she sing the harmony, but at least that's just the two of them. And if she's terrible, then it's between the two of them. But in front of so many people. Yeah. But yeah, they dance and they sing, or mostly it's the dancing part that impresses everyone apparently, even though Mary barely did. Like, it's not like what she did is bad. It's just the fact that everyone else got to do a full set and she didn't. That really bugs me. I'm like, you cannot say that she did a better job than everybody else when she only did like sticky dance moves over the course of like five seconds or something. And it really bugged me because guess what? Ding, ding, ding. Mary wins. Ooh. (laughs) Joey should have pulled in Isabella and just disappeared off of stage and left Mary to her own devices. (laughs) Mary wins the competition. And not only that, but she reconciles with Joey once he clears up the misunderstanding. And she gets offered a full-ride scholarship to the dance academy by the academy lady. Based off a single twirl. (laughs) And a hair flip. Sorry, can't forget the hair flip. Oh, yeah. That made it. That made the performance. I think they went too far in this at this point. I wish they had been a little bit more realistic. Just given her an audition. Yeah, exactly. Because it wasn't that Dominique had wrongly given the audition lady the impression that Mary's awful at dancing or like she doesn't actually have the talent that 
the audition lady thought she did or anything. It's not like Mary had to prove her ability. It's just that she was mistakenly thinking Mary was injured. But now that she's proven she's not injured, she should go through the audition process. It doesn't make sense to just offer her a whole scholarship. <laughs> Dominic breaks both her legs. Even when she topples off stage and is lying on the floor injured, she's like still throwing out one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> we get this like flash forward to after Mary graduates and she's going off to college with all of her things and Dominique is still in her wheelchair and is still healing and the only people who are tending to her are her kids and she says don't leave me with these people (laughs) which I love I like that Dominique's dependence on Mary is really brought to a head in this final scene. Like so far, she has been relying on Mary for everything except basically moving around. And now she can't even do that much without Mary's help. So it's like kind of the the most dependent on Mary she could be at the point where Mary's finally breaking free. Yeah. It really is like a very explicit illustration of that. Like Mary is literally her crutch. Exactly. Except now Mary doesn't have to fulfill that position. Yeah. An extra bitter pill for Dominique to have to swallow. Yeah, one of many. That's it. That's the end of the movie. So an absurd conclusion. Dominique's gonna die because her only caretakers are her kids and they are incompetent. So one of these days they're gonna like mix up her meds or forget that she needs her help or something. But things do not bode well for her. On a slightly less morbid note, another absurd conclusion is that Joey cannot dance without his hat. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that coming, but you are totally right. Whenever he's dancing, he's always got it on. And the moment he takes it off in his performance, he starts singing and stops (laughs) dancing. So I think we're onto something here. I think the truth is that he has a little rat in his hat that's making him dance. That's why he needs a hat at all times when he's dancing. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Anyway, now that we have discussed this movie in excruciating detail, have your opinions changed? Would you recommend this movie? As we've already established, we're coming out of a very recent rewatch of Cinderella 2015. So I can't separate my perception of this movie from that one. I don't think we should. Yeah, I don't know if some people might consider it unfair, but I don't care. (laughs) I do think it's a warranted comparison because they are inspired by the same source material. So I think if I had just been considering this movie on its own, I might not have been as impressed. But given everything we've talked about, and especially comparing it to the shortcomings of Cinderella 2015, I actually think it's quite a solid movie. It has its drawbacks, I think in terms of some of the plot points and characterization, it could have been stronger. But overall, if among any of the remakes or adaptations or sequels or whatever, if you were to watch this one, it wouldn't be the worst choice. So I do recommend this movie. Still in the list of these movies, 1950 Cinderella stands at the top still. But this one is not half bad. In fact, I think it's better than a Cinderella story. What about you? What are your thoughts? I was definitely pleasantly surprised. It's been a while since I've seen this movie and I just expected it to be worse than I remembered. But there's actually a lot of care put into this movie. It's not a formulaic low effort star vehicle, which is what I thought I would find on a rewatch. It's actually a lot of creativity and a lot of attention to detail. And I mean, I've already talked about this, but the dialogue is very specific for each character like they all have very distinct ways of talking it's pretty well written it's very fast it's very snappy there's intention with the writing with every part of the story the set design is great i think one of the weaknesses would be natalia as a character but otherwise everything else is really solid i think maybe if i were to criticize something else would be this movie doesn't fully succeed in the character of the prince it does a better job than say 1015 Cinderella but like I don't know I think maybe the prince is the one thing that's very difficult to pull off just because there's so little material to fall back on the stuff that they did with him in this adaptation is interesting but for all of the reasons that we've already talked about it's definitely not as 
Thai as it could have been. But I definitely recommend this movie. It's genuinely a good movie. It has a lot of character. So I highly recommend this movie. You'll be pleasantly surprised. It's very fun. Yeah, I agree. What should we pair with this movie? Chocolate raisins, obviously. <laughs> I think it should be gumballs. Teeny tiny gumballs. <laughs> crab puffs, crab cakes. Shrimp. And some fried chicken, of course. Like Dominique. Oh my god, yeah. But that's all for our episode on another Cinderella story. If you have any suggestions for movies we should discuss on the podcast, send them in at graveyard underscore slot on Instagram, the graveyard slot podcast on Tumblr, or email us at thegraveyardslot at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Graveyard Slot. <laughs>